just past 7 o'clock and so much to talk about tonight. It's Iron Sports, 95.9, the true oldies channel. I'm Mike Balsamo, and darn it, Ira, we were doing so good there for a while. We had a couple of really good weeks, and now over the last 24 to 48 hours, I don't know if the NFL is going to be able to finish their season with how this stuff is going. Now we're hearing that they've pushed the uh, Ravens game off to Wednesday. We've got teams in uh, trying to play with their coaches under center. Ira, I thought we were doing really good. Now I'm a little worried. I, I'm worried, but I'm ready for Wednesday, 340. Steelers-Ravens. <laughs> Give me a Wednesday afternoon, 340 game. I mean, you put the NFL. I mean, the NFL is so nervous about, like, pushing the season back. The NFL could go against anything. Like, yeah. I mean, it's like New Year's Day. The NFL wants to play. That's everyone else moves. Like, the Super Bowl, they can scroll any day. That's a day. The NFL rules wherever they want to play the game. That's what the game is. So I understand why they're so afraid about moving stuff around. Yeah, I mean, it, it gives more exposure out. It's, the Super Bowl could be on a Tuesday at 4 a.m. People are going to wake <laughs> up at 3 to start tailgating for it. Um, so, Ira, let's get right into the show because we always have so much to talk about. You did something that maybe nobody on this planet has achieved over the last two weeks, going to two different sports venues at different places. This isn't like a season ticket holder. You went to two different venues, saw two amazing live performances. This past weekend, you were in Tampa Bay. I remember four, three weeks ago, I took a week off. I went to Miami. So yeah. now I've, I've, hit, <laughs> I've hit the whole circle of Miami, Jacksonville, and then I went to Tampa. So I went to, drove from West Palm Beach on Sunday morning to Tampa for the game. Uh, it was, first of all, easy drive. Love listening to this mm-hmm. sports talk radio on the way over. Uh, just learning about, you know, people fighting animals. That's see what I want to talk about. <laughs> I, I was interesting. I love the Oregon, Oregon State game. And Bobby Carpenter on one of the shows was saying, well, he's, he's a cultural analyst. He goes, well, I didn't stay up to watch the game, even though it was one of the best games I've seen all year in terms of Oregon, Oregon State. But it was great going. I like the Buck Stadium. I have good memories there because that's where the Steelers won the Super Bowl that I was at. <laughs> so I was always pumped when I saw when the Steelers beat um, the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, that was what a tremendous game in terms of the Centennial, the best Super Bowls. Centennial Holmes corner end mm-hmm. zone. And uh, that was great. And so, and I saw the Bucks Giants game a, a couple of few years ago, and I saw another Steeler Steeler Buck games two years ago there. So I like the stadium. I chose. I'm getting really smart how I do tickets. So in this stadium, they have a club seats, but on the first row of the club, you're blocked by these railings. And I was nervous because I don't want to sit up and take pictures. And I know there was only going to be like 15,000 at the, the game. Mm-hmm. So I sat at the lower level, the last row, which is a little elevated. And I was sitting somewhere. People say, oh my gosh, it could be so dangerous. There was nobody. Going to the grocery store is 100 <laughs> times more dangerous than going to a Bucks game because I literally, there was nobody around me within 20 feet because the whole row, like four seats to my right, four seats to my left. And it was great. I mean, the one thing is when you have to sign in before you go to the state, I parked for $25 as close as I parked to come in to the studio right here today. <laughs> you literally for $25 park right there. And I'm the only person who gets the game at one o'clock, sit in my car. I was thinking, well, do I want to go to a sports bar and see this? And I'm like, I couldn't find, there's not, there's not much around. This there's not, around, not a lot around. And there was a couple bars and now they've been knocked down for other things. And the Steinbrenner field is also where the mm-hmm. Tampa Bay, where, uh, where uh, the Yankees farm team, yeah. where they spring training is right there. So there's really not a lot of space around for other restaurants or whatever. So I just stood in my car, got the red zone on my thing, sitting there with my laptops, two two laptops, iPad, and I had my own little whatever, <laughs> watching all my games. And then at 2 o'clock, I went in the stadium, and it was no lines, no anything, and you go right in there. And they were fantastic with the red zone. On all the big screens, all the red zones Crazy. were up. They went, you could follow all the games. I didn't miss anything. So now I feel like I'm talking like I know what I'm talking about because they had the red. <laughs> they literally had two of the screens had games going. The others had red zones. They were announcing it with the sound, with everything. I thought it was great at being in the stadium. The weather was just fantastic. I mean, what can I say bad about the stadium? It's, it was perfect except for there's the team store is located. I hate when stages is located in the first level. So when you walk in, once you're in the stadium, you can't go to the team store. You have to wait till after the game That's to go weird. out of the team store. And they have like these small little team stores there, but they're really bad. Besides that, it was still it was great. It was very few people there. Um, and, you know, I just, it was like, it was like one of those things where you get into the stadium and I just felt like it was, there was nobody around me. It was one of the most comfortable, and I had room to put my, I like to have the rosters out. I'm listening, oh, the radio. Here's another thing. I, you know how I like, I, I went by myself, so I'm totally antisocial, even when I go with somebody, but I listen <laughs> to the games on the radio. But it was, it's live. Like, there's not like this delay, because usually it's like I'm listening to it on the radio and there's like a play, for like I'm two plays behind oh, when I'm listening. Yeah. This was totally live broadcast, so it was fun to see that. And from that perspective, and like the perfect temperature, it was just great. What a great night of the game. And I got a chance to see, I got there early, so I got to see Mahomes warm up. I got to see Brady warm up. Boy, Patrick Mahomes. When you see him Pratt with warm-ups, he is like a gunslinger. Like exactly if you look like an old Western when someone draws with a gun, it's that fast. He, It's not like 
Dan Marino had a quick release, but he raised the ball. Mahomes just throws it from his hip almost. Like it's sidearm, underarm, everything. And the ball just goes so fast and he's so accurate. In the warps, it's like effortless. I mean, Tom Brady is a great quarterback, but you see he actually throws a pass. And other quarterbacks I've seen from Ben, they, they're throwing a pass. It's, it's hard to throw a ball. Like a football, mm-hmm. you can't just throw a ball 60 yards. He's throwing the ball 50 yards on a on a you know spiral perfect with just with just no like boom boom effortless like the jugs machine like they had a jugs machine that they out there it's mm-hmm. like he's better than the jugs machine <laughs> like they should get rid of the jugs machine and just have Mahone throw that's how great he is and so I, it was just exciting to see that in terms of how that was going and, and Ira we we talk about it on this show and we'll talk about it more in, in this edition of Iron Sports but sometimes they look lackadaisical. Because it's probably because of his play, because he makes it look so easy, and because he's gunslinging, throwing underhand passes, and dominating by doing it. I think that's what leads to this this look that they have about mm, this team kind of doesn't play serious all the time. Well, I during the warmups they look serious. Like this team does look look serious. But you're right in the games they t- they tend not to. Like when I saw the Ravens, my criticism when I've seen the Ravens a couple of times, I think they've been too lackadaisical in the warmups. I, in the warmups they were trying. They're 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 running. You know, they're running the routes. They're doing everything fine. Um, but I think yeah during the games it's this. Now I sat behind the Bucks sideline, so I got to see Brady pace and talk and Antonio Brown and those things. But it's it, it was exciting to sit behind the Bucks sideline to see who what when Brady. He comes out the field. Who does he talk to? What he does he look at? What is he, what are, you know, those things? So it was it was, that was exciting to see. Um, I also one last thing. I love the stadium. I like just like Jacksonville. It's low on both ends. So mm-hmm. when it's because it's low on both ends, you get to see the palm trees and the sun comes in. It, it's more of a feel. I think of a, I like that type of feel of a stadium. And then they have the ship that uh, whenever they the score pirate the pirate <laughs> ship, which is cool. There's a lot going on. There's swashbuckling pirates walking around the stadium. Um, I I like I like it, and it, it's an easy drive from West Palm. It was three hours there and drive back after the game three hours back so it's even shorter than going to Jacksonville for a game trust me when you go to a Dolphins game they're seeking traffic that could be three hours too for West Palm so I enjoyed that no you're absolutely right and you know I'll mock Tampa sports in a sense of like I'll mock the trop the trop is the worst arena in professional sports it's not meant for to have baseball or anything in it there's nothing wrong with Tampa Stadium Tampa's got a cool stadium there's not enough to do around it that, that, that'd be my one knock that you can't you know you always like to be able to walk out and have the sports bar and the atmosphere and they don't have that in Tampa right well what, where it's nice is where the hockey arena is Is a, there's a better area there's like mm-hmm. four hotels there's lots of bars it's a nicer area where the hockey arena is set up and that's where like a but so that's a good area now the trop is a disaster <laughs> completely so the stadium is in a bad area it's bad everything but this is actually fairly easy to get to so I thought it was and there's plenty of parking around and, and it was good to, good to go to the game so I do I did I like the stadium I like going there and I'm glad look I, I love going to sporting events and Florida's the only place that's letting me go to sporting events so so good. let's talk about this matchup by the way 709 Iron Sports True Oldies Channel I'm Mike Balsamo let's talk about the matchup because this was almost more than Tampa Bay versus Kansas City it's Patrick Mahomes versus Tom Brady yeah, it's the fourth matchup between the two of them. Um, we remember October 14th, 2018, that Sunday night game when New England was up 24-9. to That was one of the worst fantasy nights I've ever had because <laughs> that's when Mahomes and Hill combined for a 75-yard pass and another one. And, like, if anybody has Mahomes, anybody who's playing, anybody who had Mahomes and Hill, like, you've totally lost. Like, I don't yeah. care who you played. You could have played, had five teams, but if somebody had a double of <laughs> Mahomes and Hill. And I remember that game. It was a game, New England won 43-40. Then we remember the AFC Championship game in 2019, the last, like, big game that Mahomes lost was when the Patriots won in overtime when they got the ball in overtime and went down and scored mm. which was a, just a great win for the Patriots but uh, and then last year the Chiefs won but that's what that's what it is it's Mahomes it's the the soon to be goat or someone who's trying to say is that you know 20 years from now we'll be talking about him to be goat against the goat right now um, and we talked about the one thing I wanted to bring up is I just don't understand the Chiefs um, they they're the first 10 games to be Houston like 34-20 the Chargers 23-20 Baltimore 34-20 New England 26-10 Vegas they lost to 40-32, but then Buffalo, 26-17. The, the last couple games, Carolina, 33-31. Vegas, 35-31. Tampa, 27-24. They're not... They seem to be able to score at will. They do, and I'm looking at these scores and it's 35, 34 points. Like, and and it's they keep these games close. It's like they are bored playing football, and I don't understand it. And I watching the game in the second half, and I. I was just in shock, and I'm like, I'm trying, like, we're going to go over the show, things that I understand and things I don't understand, and I sat there for three hours, I drove back and thought about it for three hours, I still don't understand what I want. Like, I saw it, and I'm watching, like, what am I understanding, what am I not getting from this game, and then I'm watching, and I'm like, I don't understand it. I still can't explain what went on 
with the, with the Chiefs because they should be able. What I if they can't get a point on a possession, I think it's ridiculous. Like they they they're effortless. They have so many weapons. I don't know anybody has weapons like this, and they have this phenomenal quarterback. It's one thing if they had a bad quarterback and all these great wide receivers and running backs and great offensive line, but they have a, a great quarterback and they only they they scored no points in the second half from eight minutes on. How does that even happen? It, you're right. It's bizarre watching them. But I know in the back of my head that they're going to win every game. And I think they know it too, Ira, because that's how they play. That they've got that swagger like, it doesn't really matter. We're going to win anyways, right? It's almost like boxer, like someone carrying someone. Or, or like or like if the Harlem Globetrotters are playing the Washington Generals and they want to keep the game close to some extent. Like it's almost like they carry <laughs> yeah. the other team just because they, well, we want, we'll just want to, we want to put a show on. It's just like Tyson Roy Jones Jr., which we're going to talk about a little Like it's almost like, am I seeing what this is real? Like what is, like they don't have that killer instinct. We saw what Minnesota did. I mean, Minnesota, Atlanta, we talked about against the Raiders. And Atlanta won like 43 to 6. Yeah, and, nobody saw that coming. And, 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 right. And Atlanta's not this great juggernaut offense. They didn't have Julio Jones. They didn't have Todd Gurley. But they, when they got this lead and they just blew away. And some of these other teams, we see this all week where, where somebody just gets a lead and then they, they win the game. It's like to, uh, Kansas City got that lead yesterday and they're like, oh, okay, well, it's so easy. Let's just now play for the next two and a half hours. We don't have to. When, I, I don't, it's not like, I don't think Tampa Bay has won adjustments. They didn't make any adjustments. They made a few. Okay, we'll double Tyreek Hill a little bit. But they didn't make it. Tampa, t- when you give Tampa 17, that's like secretary letting secretary start like a, a, like a half a mile ahead. Yeah, for- Long ahead of everybody, right? And it's like, how in the world are you letting Tampa Bay get up seventeen nothing? And and without them, they weren't, you know, with it's just it's insane. So let's talk about the game itself. Um, in in the first half, in those first couple of drives, they could not do anything to stop Tyree Kill. Tyreek Hill is so fast. When you see him in person, he's faster than on television. Like, he runs, and, and he's like what Antonio Brown was a few years ago, but even much faster because he has great hands. He is accelerates. He has, he has, like, gears, different levels. So when he runs his routes, he runs slow. Like, he walks around slow, and then he just goes so fast. Mm. And then when you think he's running as fast as he could run, then he has, like, another gear to run faster. You can see, like, the quarterbacks cover him, and he, like, comes off the line. So I'm sitting there. I'm only, like, 25 rows up, dead center, 50 rows. So I'm watching this. He comes off the line, and they're right on him, and then the He's running fast, and then he just—he's just like another level. It's like a car when you see in a race, and it's like these nobody has that. That like Carlton Davis was covering him, but yeah, in that first quarter, it was Mahomes to Hill, and then I, you know, Tampa the whole game without crowd noise it was offsides. How many times? Like five or six yeah. times. And uh, but then I thought that was so weird. That first play when they get down to the it was like second and one on the one yard line, and Kelsey they do this option two three ways, and Kelsey has the ball, and Mahomes is in the end zone, and Kelsey all he had to do was like run into the end zone but he's like oh no I want to make the play perfect I want to throw this pass and he throws it and then they run a stupid third down play it's a bad pass so they kick a field goal it's like just that's why the- we judge them like this Ira because they could score touchdowns it's like <laughs> let's make it look pretty instead exactly nobody else does that right they were like they, it was it was almost like and they came back and I was on this I mean I was looking at them after they were like laughing about like who laughs at this <laughs> stuff like it's unbelievable like Kelsey you were six foot five six three hundred like there was a small like all we had to do was walk in the end zone but he wanted to make the perfect pass yeah. and it was almost like the Tampa Bay back was like almost, you know, someone in between, like a runner between third and home and trying to cut, you know, which way to go. And uh, that was, and he just, and they messed it up. And then, so they scored the field goal. Then Brady comes back. He throws it to Evans. And this is something about Mike Evans. So Mike Evans, they keep talking. And I saw, I watched, rewatched the game, throw it to him, this and that. There's a reason why Jameis Winston had 30 interceptions last year. Mike Evans does not complete his roots. No. And he doesn't, if the ball's up there, he doesn't He doesn't go up for the ball. He's lazy with the ball. So there's a, Jameis Winston, I feel bad for him because I don't, I'd say maybe like 18 interceptions last year. <laughs> because Evans is a great wide receiver, so talented and so amazing. But in the end, I just think sometimes he, he just, you know, two bad passes. They say, well, Evans hasn't caught any balls today. Well, maybe if you could try to catch the balls. But Brady was terrible too. I mean, the beginning of the game, Brady, the balls were sailing all over the place. And you see him, he comes back he's throwing the ball he's frustrated i'm frustrated i can't understand and then you know kansas city is the one weakness they have is they have now lavian bell the clyde edwards hilaire they do have trouble running the ball when they feel like they have to so like third and one clyde edwards hilaire is like they were stopped for no gain like how do you let that happen and then if they can't gain a yard running then just have mahones try to you saw at the end of the game they were just having mahones scramble like they weren't even thinking about running the game and then uh and then tampa bay gets the ball back three completions passes this is what the problem i have with tampa 
they were getting like third and twos and third and threes. It wasn't like third and twelves. And so it's third and three, and they just they ran this stupid play for Antonio Brown. Like I, I don't forcing understand. the ball. To for, they forced, but they that the way the Steelers used to do it was they just run three yards and get the first down. Don't just run ten yards. Like if it's third and three, just get the get the first down. Run mm-hmm. five yards. Move the chains. There's no thought in Tampa to like continue running the clock. Like move the chains. Like other teams do. I don't understand why he was running. You know, on the on the stat sheet they go it was a short. They called it a short pass. It was a 15-yard pass, but he only had two yards to go. So just run five, get the first down, and let, it, let Antonio. Look, Godwin, uh, Antonio Brown, and Evans all run great after the catch. Get them the ball and let them do damage. Don't just run these passes. I, I, I was upset about that. And then the next play, that touched 75-yard touchdown pass to Hill, uh, which was just right down the center of the field. Crazy. Just amazing. And then Tampa comes back, and you're like, okay, now they're down 10 nothing. Then two more. It was now third and two. And it was another third and two, and then another incomplete pass. I'm like, here you are playing volleyball with this team. They're scoring. You're, you have to keep up with them. And on third and two, you're trying these stupid passes again. And then a 44-yard pass to Tyreek Hill. So now it's 17-0. So Hill, had, at that point, Hill had seven catches for 203 yards and two touchdowns. And it was like the only, like the third player in history of the NFL to have 200 yards in a quarter. And I'm thinking for fantasy, it's going to have like 750 <laughs> yards. Is this going to be ridiculous? And then... And then, so Tampa gets the ball back. This is where he's just getting, driving me nuts. So Tampa, now again, this is the third, fourth time they've had the ball. Third and two again. It's like third and two every time, passing complete to Chris Godwin. They cannot get a first down. They cannot make smart plays. And Brady was, t- I'm again, it's all on everyone. Brady was not I'm the biggest Brady fan in the world. I don't know what he was doing. I don't know what Godwin was doing. I don't know what the play calling was. But again, another bad mistake. But then, so Kansas City has outsourced them 290 to 36 at this point. <laughs> they drive down 12 plays, 65 yards, and they're ready in the middle of the second quarter to end the game. Send everybody home. It's going to be 24 nothing. Call it a day. You're not going to give Kansas Kansas City at 24-point lead. And what does Mahomes do? He's he's lazy with the ball. He doesn't care. Shaq Barrett knocks it out of his hand. Like, what? You're on the, like, mm-hmm. first down and 10 on the 10-yard line. How do you fumble the ball there? Like, you just, it's like, I we can't be up 24 nothing. And then Tampa Bay then comes down, and that's actually where they they scored it. They scored that pass to Roy Jones. Ron Jones, Ronald Jones, Roy Jones, uh, 17-7. <laughs> uh, but then, you know, then Kansas City drives down. You know, back after that, they and they get a field goal again, first and goal on the 10 yard line, and then Mahomes throws three. It's like he did not want it's 17 7. I don't want to make it 24 7. I'll just make it 27. He was so, waiting for like a behind the back pass to line up or something. So the first half, Kansas City had five drives. They had two touchdowns, two field goals, and a fumble. They should have had 35 points, not 20. This score should have been 35-7. Like, I have never seen a game where it's like they – it was effortless. It wasn't even like they were trying. and They weren't even trying and going down the field. This game should have been over. I have no idea how this game – I look up the score and I'm like, how in the world is this 20, you know, 27? It's, it's insane. It's like when you watch a high school game or even a college game and Alabama's playing Citadel and they go up 24 nothing in the first half and then they put their the, the backups in. And let Citadel get a few few touchdowns. That's how they play this game. Obviously, not with the backups, but you you would think that they were playing the Jets, not a team that is potentially an NFC Super Bowl contender. So it's just bizarre to me the way that they do it. Yeah, and then the second half comes and they they um, Tampa Bay gets a field goal, makes it twenty ten. So, but then the finally time, so Kansas City goes down, and they throw to Hill again with seven minutes to go in the first, second, and the third quarter. It's their last score of the game. It was 27-10. Now, how does the greatest offense I've ever seen, like I've never seen an offense like this. I've never seen anything. They can do whatever they want to do. How in the world? Tampa Bay's defense is not that good. Tampa Bay's defense is even good. And how in the world from 20, do they not score for the next uh, 22 minutes of a game? It's, I just, it's inconceivable. And uh, then finally, it's like when Brady completed that pass to Godwin right down the center for 44 yards, it's like Brady was so happy. God, like the whole, Everyone was like, oh, a long pass. They completed. And then they made that great smart, intelligent move. Let's do a 50-50 ball to Scotty Miller, yeah. who's the shortest the sh- 50-50 ball. Means we throw it up there. Well, let's have the shortest guy on the team try to catch the ball. When we have Evans and Godwin and Gurkowski, who are 10 feet tall, we don't throw it to them. We'll throw it to Scotty Miller. So he throws an interception. And then, of course, Kansas City decided, like, like we're done. Like, we're done playing offense. So now, Tampa, you're going to try to come back. It's like, that's what they were saying. Let's test our defense. So then, uh, Kansas City, two incompletions. They did nothing. They punt the ball. And then, again, they run the Tampa Bay's going down there and Brady throws that other interception. It was just doing it off the guy's helmet. It bounces around. That was a disaster. But then, of course, Kansas City, they don't do anything. So it's still 27-10 going into the fourth quarter. And you're like, 
where is this happening? Like, of course, fans aren't leaving the game, but you're like, what's happening? And then Brady, you're like, he is pacing the sidelines. Like, he's walking up and down, walking up and down, throwing the ball. You can see, like, there's no way you're the greatest of all time. And he's, you're looking at him, you're like, here's a guy who's been down the Super Bowl, like, 100 to nothing. Like, he's been down games. He knows he's not going to give up. And mm. I just, like, you knew he was going to come back. And I'm like, what is Kansas City thinking? And um, then he throws that pass to Evans for a touchdown, made it 27-17. And then uh, Kansas City got finally like a third and 27, they could do anything. Tampa Bay comes down. They score another touchdown to Evans, make it 27-24. So, but that was even weird. So Tampa got the ball third. It was, uh, it was down. They got it to the first down, first and goal. And they bring in Ty Johnson and LaShawn McCoy. Now, this is, you're down in a game, 27-17, late in the fourth quarter. These, LaShawn McCoy has not played in the entire game, and Ty Johnson. Like, what were they bringing to the game that Mike Evans, Godwin, Antonio Brown, and Rob Gronkowski, what do they bring differently? Like, I, no one knows who Ty Johnson is, and no one, people don't remember LaShawn McCoy, but they might not even know he still plays football in the league. So, what is he doing? What are they doing in the game? at that? Like, Tampa, like, I'm looking at Bruce Arians. I'm, he's only 25 feet. I'm like, uh, there was another person around, like, Bruce, what are you thinking? Bizarre. Like, it, it's like bizarro, so I couldn't understand it and then they score 27 24 but the kids city this is where they're like okay fun and games are over <laughs> it's within a touchdown so <laughs> no so they, it's 27 24 and it's like mahones they get second and three and then he scrambles for a first down then it's th- th- third and seven mahones to hill for a first down like they just run the clock out they're like we're not even going to give the ball back because you're thinking okay there's four minutes to go brady's only down three points so like let you know this is our chance to come back and people who bet the game was three point line whatever and mahones just says oh i'm just gonna just gonna run the clock out and play like that it was just it was just one of the craziest endings of a game i mean tyree kill 13 catches, 216 yards, three touchdowns. Kelsey, eight. Kelsey is open on every single play. He runs oh, down the play. field and he just stands there. Eight catches for 62 yards. And they didn't really get running. Bell, five for 22. Edwards, 11 for 37. But it was like one of those were games where Brady ended up with 345 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Gronk, six catches, 106. But you want to see Antonio Brown do more, nothing. Godwin, eight catches, 97 yards. But it was like one of those, I just... I, I don't know what to say. I haven't learned any. I don't know what I'm. I'm on the Tampa Bay bandwagon. I and as a Steeler fan, it just gives me hope. Like if I saw if if I'm wearing a hat right now that has the Steeler Chiefs game and the Steelers have beat the Chiefs year after year after year when before Mahomes, and I'm thinking. If they want to play like this against the Steelers, that's great because we'll win the game. Like, I, I'm like, don't, I mean, you guys cannot just keep doing this. You, the Chiefs, you have to just blow out these teams. And I'm like, wow. And I, but I'm still on the Tampa Bay. And I got to think that Tampa's going to get their act together. I would think so. But that was just really bad play calling, bad decision making, things that don't add up to a Super Bowl to me. It, it just didn't, seeing their body of work in that game, that's not a Kansas Super Bowl City or Tampa? T- Tampa. Tampa is a mess, and I just think and that, <laughs> they and that, all and, talent in the world, and and I just like the question. You know, they're talking about is he is he making Brady throw the long passes too much? Yeah. I don't know if it's the long passes. I think it's the third down passes. I think it's the inability, and you can see he's not comfortable throwing to Evans. In as much, and they want everyone no, to say throw right. to him, throw to him more. But he throws to Godwin. Like Godwin's had eight catches the last two games, and he is very comfortable throwing to Gronkowski, as you saw across the middle. So, but I think he gets nervous when he throws to Evans because I don't think he knows what Evans is going to do, and you don't want to throw it to somebody and have it like whatever. But you know, Mahomes. So one thing I want to add here, because I know we're running way long on this game, but I want it's such a big game because I predict it'll be the Super Bowl. I see what Mahomes. There's one other weakness he has. I mean, we're talking about Superman and his weakness. I feel like we're trying to break this down, but he does. And I, when you're watching. And I take these great pictures. It'll be at Ira Sports on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. I run sports. But he locks when he wants to, he can like he can look off as people as best as anyone. He'll throw no look passes. He'll go look one way. He'll look the other state and throw it down the field. But there are some plays where he looks at somebody and other people go, but he wants to make that pass. Like he thinks he's so good, which he is. But he sometimes and I'm wondering if you can bait him. Like I'm wondering if you can say, oh, you want to throw that pass? Well, we're going to make it that pass to do it that way. But somehow trick him into that because he seems to be so focused in a way that he says, I'm better than everyone. And I could throw this ball like through a you know, on, on a, a archery board, like right in the bullseye. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if you could get there, but he doesn't throw interceptions. So how it's hard to say <laughs> the guy throws no interceptions all year, but you're wondering teams must try it on him. But there's points where wide receivers are open everywhere, but you can see that he wanted to go to one wide receiver. He wanted to throw it to Hart, Hartman. That's what he wanted to do. And, and like everyone else is running wide open, but he just wants to throw that pass and he makes it. He completes the pass, but it's like, ah, oh, I just wonder if that's a weakness of him. It's like Brett Favre minus the picks. Minus I know, the I know picks. where I want the ball to go <laughs> and I'm throwing it regardless. <laughs> um,
it's Iron Sports 725 True Oldies channel. Um, you know who's got a little bit of that in them too? Ryan Fitzpatrick. And, you know, we don't we know what Ryan Fitz, Ryan Fitz, Fitzpatrick is at this point, but I think he gets hung up on that sometimes. Like, I'm making this throw whether you like it or not, and he throws a lot of interceptions because of it. But he got the spot start yesterday as Tua Tagovailoa was not going to play in this game. Played well, and pretty much everyone does against the Jets. Yeah, 20 to 3 win, and also he gets uh, completion sometimes when it wasn't. I watched that play to Parker when he threw it to Parker, where Parker completely dropped the ball, and they ruled it a catch. Like, it was the craziest <laughs> ruling I've ever seen. But the Dolphins had no Miles Gaskin, they had no Salvin. Monday, no running backs at all. And Breda fumbled, Breda fumbled the ball. Laird fumbles the ball. Uh, but, you know, defense again, boy, the Dolphins defense. Xavier Howard, another interception. He is just, I mean, these people like say, oh, interceptions are hard to get. It's like, look, you're not getting the interceptions. He's not leading the league instead of a seven now, but he just he just knows where these balls are. He's phenomenal. And it was like one of those things where the Jets scored the, what, three, they didn't score the rest of the game. But I got to give the Dolphins credit. Now, this is two games in a row. They play the Jets and they really haven't had a close game. And I think that's what you have to do. You don't want the you don't want a you don't want a crazy game because then it's like then you feel pressure on you. you're like oh my god they're close it's like sort of what Cleveland ran into Jacksonville yesterday a little bit that it was whatever so I was uh, they're definitely this is the sixth time how about this with under gaze uh, sixth time the Jets have lost by fifteen points this year and in twenty seven games that Gaze has been the coach of the Jets twelve almost half the games he's lost by over fifteen points that's just horrendous he is just he's really bad and they're just riding him out because they know that they can lose better uh with him under but center. two is coming they, they made an announcement the two is coming back next week but again Fitzpatrick had a nice win but I guess only a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick can you like pull out he comes in and wins he just does all the right things like they are so lucky to have someone like Ryan like Fire Fitzpatrick should get like a bonus for being such a <laughs> Great guy in terms of handling the situation. No, he totally is uh, great when it comes to that stuff. Good uh, mentor for Tua. Um, let's go back to Thursday night, Ira. And this might have been the worst Thanksgiving games of my life. And after they moved the uh, Ravens and Steelers game, I think the, you know all of NFL fans collectively let out a sigh. Like, this is going to be a long day. And it was a lot of ugly games. Washington and Dallas. I didn't think Washington would just destroy Dallas the way they did. But just goes to show how bad Dallas is. So bad, Dallas, and just a couple points from this game. Alex Smith is Forrest Gump. There's, if you look at his career, when you're thinking back, he, he had 149s, a touchdown, an interception, but he's 36 years old. In 2005, he played on the Fiesta Bowl Utah team. That was coached by Urban Meyer. Crazy. Like, what Urban Meyer, this is Urban Meyer before Florida and before Ohio State. Like, that Urban Meyer. Like, that's how mm-hmm. long ago it was. Like, Urban Meyer was coaching him, and he hadn't won the national titles at Florida, hadn't won the national titles at Ohio State. Like, that Urban Meyer. And he was the first overall pick in the 2006 draft. He takes the 2011 team, the NFC Championship season, and then in 2012, he gets a concussion, and Colin Cap. Kaepernick replaces him. So here's now in the whole Colin Kaepernick thing. And they get, then they trade him to the Chiefs. So he goes to the Chiefs, and you're thinking, okay, now he's done with his career. He really was a first-round pick, didn't amount for much. But then he leaves from 2013 to 17. He led him to the Chiefs to playoffs every year. He uh, lost only, what, won one playoff game every year there. He In the 2017, he had the best passing. He had like uh, 26 touchdowns, five interceptions, 4,000 4, yards. And so they're like, oh, my gosh, why would they get rid of someone? Well, they have Patrick Mahomes. So he's, <laughs> they get, so suddenly now he's kicked out to Washington, and they bring Patrick Mahomes in. He goes to Washington and is playing well. But then in 2018, he fractures his leg in the worst, one of the worst things. He had 17 surgeries to avoid amputation of his leg. He comes back, and now he's playing in Thanksgiving game, which is I, I, just tremendous. And I, But I have to say is that when you look at someone – I think he's very inspiring to the Washington team because they look at him and you're like, what he's gone through to be out here. Mm-hmm. And so when he throws... He doesn't need to be out here playing with us. <laughs> so they're up they're up 20 to 13 and they and he throws an interception. And you saw when he threw it, how he like pounded the ground. He's so upset. And they throw the interception to Jalen Smith. But tr- t- uh, Terry McLaren sprinted as fast as I've ever seen someone. And he tackled Jalen Smith during the interception, like on the five-yard line, saving the touchdown. So what did the... <laughs> And what does the Dallas do? They have CD Lamb do an end around, another like crazy play. They're they're left with a field goal. So instead of the score being twenty twenty, it's twenty sixteen. But I think that's what when you see someone like Alex Smith out, that's why Terry McLaren. I'm sure Terry McLaren is you know hard playing whatever. But I think he's like I don't want this guy. I don't want my 
guy to throw a pick six on Thanksgiving Day. Like, he wasn't going to let Jalen Smith score that touchdown. And I think that's, like, motivating. And then after that, it was like, what, Cowboys go on 4th and 20, they go for a fake punt, uh, complete disaster. And Gibson, uh, two touchdowns. He's now has 11 for a year as a rookie. And then the uh, Andy Dalton threw a, a pick six to Montez Sweat, made it 41-16. But it was like, I thought the whole game changed. It's amazing. How can, how can I say this? The whole game changed on interception. Because when Alex Smith threw that interception and McLaren ran them down and the Cowboys only got a field goal that was it that was then blew him out the rest of the way that's a great point um let's announce your nfc east leaders winners of three straight the new york football giants got a big win over cincinnati Bengals without joe burrow game was probably way closer than it should have been ira but uh, giants are in the lead in the division there's a bunch of these teams that are playing with no quarterback and no running back and so when i mentioned like cincinnati Bengals starter quarterback is brandon allen from arkansas that would be like the question and they they have their running back they have bernard at running back no joe nixon um and uh but they only had a hundred how about this this is so funny denver which had absolutely no quarterback whatsoever had like 120 yards of their game uh cincinnati who actually has quarterbacks they weren't all on COVID. they only had 155 yards they only had 30 more <laughs> yards than what denver had um but it's like one of those things now daniel jones uh pulled his hamstring and so he might be out now a couple games so unfortunately for the giants that he'll be hurt but it makes you appreciate eli manning who now jones his start streak will be stopped at 24 whereas eli manning can started 222 games instead of 24 for daniel jones Let's go to the other um, Thanksgiving Day game. It was Houston versus Detroit, and Detroit. I don't. I don't know if this is that they're so bad. I know Houston's not very good, but they scored a lot of points. They've got a new coach under center, and Detroit is about to have a new coach under center as this game got Matt Patricia and the GM Quinn fired. Do you know when we talked about how I think uh, uh, Watson uh, is playing like he's sort of like Damon Lillard. Uh, Deshaun Watson's play like Damian Lillard because it's almost like now he's people saying oh he could be the MVP if he's on a good team so now we can put up stats his team's only four and seven but they're like oh the team's bad's around him like there's no pressure on him so it's like I, how can you say he's MVP he's four and seven but and he's and he, and he, and he, like Damian Lillard makes the money for Portland he is a superstar and all this other stuff but he, there's no pressure on him to win they're like oh you'll always lose to the Lakers so now it, Watson's like not it's inter- it's fun because it's there's no pressure on him to perform and then you put a team like Detroit who doesn't even care to go come out of that game and. <laughs> they fire the coach right after the uh, right after the game, and Patricia was thirteen and twenty nine, uh, six and ten, three and twelve, and four and seven. I think one of the problems is that Jim Caldwell was starting to turn Detroit around. After four years, they fired him. Bob Patricia, and, and understand what Patricia was. He was on the staff for 15 years for under Belichick's staff. Like, he was the defensive coordinator. He was supposedly this genius that was going to come on there. He also is a genius because he went to Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute and he was going to, he was uh, maintaining nuclear submarines and aircraft carriers. That's how smart for two years he mm-hmm. did that. So it's like, and then he always, he's the one with, where's that little, has a pencil on his ear all the time. But now he, I feel bad for him because he's 46 years old. Not really feel bad. You're an NFL coach. You made a ton of money. But he's 46 years old. I don't think he's ever going to be a coach again. Like, I just think that this, it, it, it went so bad in Detroit. The players hate him. The team hates Everyone your hates him. Your defensive guru. Uh, guru. I think, points, I don't, points. like, he, I just don't, see, like, there's some coaches like, oh, he's young. He'll get another job. I don't think Matt Patricia, I think this is it. I don't <laughs> think Matt Patricia ever gets another job ever again in the NFL. Like, I think he's done. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it's just, and then, so I don't, it, it would be one of those things where, uh, and Quinn, they fired the general manager also. And he was for the Patriots for 15 years also as the director of scouting. So this is one thing where the tree of Belichick didn't work out, whereas when Brian Flores in Miami, it's working out great. And hopefully Joe Judge in New York. Joe Judge in New York, correct. Well, speaking of that tree, not exactly a coaching tree, but one of his players, Mike Vrabel, um, in Tennessee. And this was a game, okay, AFC South matchup versus Indy. Indy's defense has been statistically the best in the league. Tennessee kind of up and down this year. After the first literal possession or two, you knew it was going to be a long day for the Colts as Tennessee just rolled them. Can we call Derek Henry Mr. December? Because of December <laughs> and January. Because when it starts to roll around, like, he's great through the whole year. You could almost be the MVP. But Tennessee, they started the year 5-0. and Then they lost three out of four games, including to Indianapolis a couple weeks ago, 34-17. Last week, they beat Baltimore in overtime. But then they come in, and, and Indy was on this roll. Like, they, they beat Tennessee. They beat Green Bay. So they were looking great. And, and this was a game in this division that it really was for because Indy beat Texas Tennessee earlier. They win the game. They're up two games. Like, yeah. it's, it's over. And Tennessee ends up... They score five of the first six possessions. Derrick Henry had 27 carries, 178 yards, three touchdowns. Um, 
35-14 at halftime. This game's over. And then, unlike Kansas City, they made sure it's over. Yeah, they put it away. They, they put it away. I mean, they had a rushing advantage of 229-56. to 56. Um, I mean, everything went right for Tennessee. They, when Indianapolis tried an onside kick, A.J. Brown returned it for a touchdown on that onside kick. Uh, so it's like they – but Tennessee, now they've split the games. They still own the tiebreaker on the Colts. So now they have a two-game lead with five games to go. Uh, just a bad loss for the – I don't think Phillip Rivers – Rivers like waiting to get in the game, and it was like over before he was like, "Oh, the game's over at this point." So. Yeah, bad loss. You brought it up, and <laughs> this might be the worst one all season, Ira. We got Vegas really looking to make a playoff run here, and they got crushed by a bad Atlanta Falcons team, forty-three to six. Raiders had won three straight. They had beat Cleveland. They beat the Rams. And then they lost to Kansas City in that crazy game, 35-31, which they played well. People were saying, Derek Carr. We were on this just a week ago saying how great Derek Carr is. John Gruden's got Vegas going. Everything's, and then they come out with this mess. Here's Atlanta, which is a total mess. Their coach has been fired. They 0-5 start. They just lost to New Orleans 24-9 when Taysom Hill just said, we're not, you know, they just lost to Taysom Hill. And, and Derek Carr was horrendous. I mean, he was like Jared Goff out there. Three fumbles, a pick six. And when Nathan Peterson, Peter and Pe- Nathan Peterman yeah. of the Seinfeld, Nathan, Nathan Peterman of the Buffalo, the five interceptions in one quarter fame, come in to finish out a game, you know it's bad. Uh, it was like one of those things where even Matt Ryan, like should I say Matt Ryan threw for, he only threw for 185 yards. It's like, you're so bad. You're turning the ball over so many times. They just kept turning the ball over in their own territory. And Atlanta just said, okay, thank you. We'll just keep scoring, 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 and made it uh, yeah, 43 to six, which soars like Vanderbilt, uh, Missouri. I mean, <laughs> that's the type of game. Let's go to um Buffalo and and uh, L.A. Chargers. And Buffalo, they handled this game. They did what they had to do, and they got a nice win by 10 points. They did. I don't like how they ended the game. I thought Josh Allen, it was, it, first of all, going to this game is neat. Uh, this game is the first in the NFL in the Super Bowl era to feature quarterbacks 24 or younger uh, entering week 12 with a 100-plus passing rating. So you have Herbert and Josh Allen, both these great young quarterbacks. Uh I, honestly, I think Herbert played a little bit better in the game. I watched parts of this game and saw it. I mean, Allen at 157 yards passing, a touchdown, one interception, fumble. But near the end of the game, uh, the Chargers made it 24-17, and Allen fumbles. <laughs> and then uh, and then Allen threw an interception. Like, at the end of the fourth quarter, I'm, I'm, like, waiting for him to make these great plays, and all he's doing is fumbling and intercepting. They ended up holding out and winning the game. Now they're, you know, the Bills are 8-3, and three, and this is crucial to be 8-3. and three. But uh, we'll see what happens going going forward. And, you know, about, we're talking about coaches getting fired, not Anthony Lynn. So Anthony Lynn was 9 and 7, 12 and 4, in the last two years, 5 and 11 and 3 and 8. I don't think he, I think people think he's going to get fired, but with Herbert, I don't know. I think he's going to still have another year. I think they're going to try. I, the more I think about it, the more I hear these other coaches fired, I think Lynn is going to be back at the Chargers for another year. I would agree with you, but did, what it'll come down to is the way he's lost some of these games. There's four games that he lost just by making bad decisions in the final minute. And that'll be what keeps him away, not the development of Justin Herbert, because that's going great. So Ira, the Cleveland Browns might be the quietest 8-3 and three team in the league. And listen, this, that was an ugly game against Jacksonville, but they beat the team that was on the schedule, and they're looking at a playoff spot. Right, and now another situation where you lose a game and the GM gets fired. So Jacksonville, Dave Caldwell was fired after the game. And, Look, the team's bad, but you know Dave Caldwell was put in a difficult situation. I mean, he's not—he's been there for a while, but it's like they are trying to rebuild. And he's picked, the James Robinson pick was just tremendous, yeah. and they do have some great young players on defense. I don't think it's like he's kind of forced to trade most of those guys away, and he was forced to trade away. And and but boy, you really like how Cleveland has just uh, Kevin Skafanski. He really we we make fun of like Arians, how Arians is trying to put Brady into his square peg. It's like. Stefanski, who is a, a different type of, of player anyway, but he's gone back to this running type of game. Yeah. Like this is like you're watching like Adrian Peterson of the Vikings type style. I mean, in terms of Chubb, 19, 19 carries, 140 yards, Hunt, 10 carries, 62 yards, a two, you know, 207 yards. I mean, Jacksonville started Mike Glennon quarterback. I felt like I was at the game two weeks ago. I thought Glennon was going to go in the game. They waited to bring him in. But uh, Glennon is actually funny because he was at NC State when Russell Wilson was there and Glennon became the quarterback and they told Russell Wilson, like, we don't think you're good enough to play at NC State. So he transferred to Wisconsin, had a career. Then now Russell Wilson is an NFL Hall of Famer and Mike Lennon is backing up in Jacksonville. But, um, but uh, Robinson is just 22 carries, 128 yards. And, and it was like one of those games where I felt like, boy, uh, they made some, uh, Jacksonville made a mistake because they, 
they went, they kicked the extra point, got the extra point, but the Cleveland was off sides. So then they went for two. They didn't get for two. So, that, so when they scored the touchdown, they needed two. Even otherwise, if they would just kick the extra point. Sometimes you go for the two when you really just need to kick the extra point. You're trying to catch points later. So. so Ira, less than a week ago, a lot of people in the media alongside us were saying that Kyler Murray has a real shot at winning the MVP. <laughs> and then yesterday lost to arguably the worst quarterback performance ever in a win to Cam Newton. Really bizarre game there. Well, I mean, he got, again, I think the stage for Kyler Murray, I think he's phenomenal. He's, he's great. great. But he beat, he beat the Bills. I think when you win a play, like on the last play of the game, like he did with the Bills, but then he goes to get the game against Russell Wilson. So it's the big primetime game, mm-hmm. Murray, Wilson, who's better, who would you rather have? And then Wilson wins that. Now he comes in the Patriots game against Bill Belichick, and your shoulder hurts. You now had this bad loss. And, uh, right, he didn't. he played terrible. I mean, Cam Newton was just 80, 84 yards passing, two interceptions, three sacks, a QB rating of 6.6. Uh, just <laughs> and, he won. and he won the game. Um, Arizona was, uh, was up uh, um, was up 10 nothing and couldn't even hold on to that lead. Uh, but it was like one of those things where boy, New England with uh, Nick Foles made a 50-yard field goal and a 51-yard field goal. Uh, Belichick is, I think he enjoys that somehow. It's like, let me figure out. Now it's all on his coaching, what he can figure out to do and how to handle this as the season gets old, uh, longer. And uh, so he always thought that New England was my, you know, I still think they're out of it, but now they're only two games back and there's five more to go with some cancellations. Maybe New England could just sneak in there and get one of those last spots. It's 7.41. I run sports. True Oldies channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. I love the NFC West, Ira. It's the most exciting, uh, exciting division in football. And you can't count any of the teams out. Even San Francisco with half of their team on IR got a huge win over a Rams team that had really been surging. Yeah, well, I think the Ram- the Rams could be surgery. The Rams lost to Miami, then they beat Seattle and Tampa. But I've always said the Rams are a fraud. I completely think they're a fraud. Jared Goff is who Jared Goff is. He turns the ball over. And finally, Sean McVay said, we cannot have our quarterback turn the ball over. It's like he had two interceptions, two sacks. He leads the league with 14 turnovers. Um, it's just Niners were down 20 to 17. Even in a horrendous game, remember, the Niners don't have any of their players. They've got Debo Samuel back, Rasheem Mostar back. They got Richard Sherman back. But they know no Kittles, no Jimmy G, and, like, their whole defense is out and hurt. And they still win this game. Like, it's just the Rams. I am sick of people talking about the Rams. I am not. If the Rams make it to the championship game, I'd be in shock. I cannot. They're they're terrible. They're just an awful team. Jared Goff is an interception and a turnover waiting to happen at every time he takes a snap. I just, I, I was, that's why I couldn't believe they beat Tampa Bay. And then, then everyone's saying, oh, they're so great. And they're this. They're the, they're the pick for everybody. I, I think they're 7-4. They're, they're a fraud. That's all. Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay came out and just did what they do, scored a lot of points. Well, after the Tampa Bay game was over, I go around, I went to the gift shop, and then they and then I went and they were all the players were coming off the, the bus getting into the buses. And I actually got some pictures of Mahomes going on the bus. I thought that was cool. It was just neat to see him walk around the stadium. I get to my car, and I think by the time I got the car, the, the Green Bay game was over. <laughs> so, like, it was like I was listening to the press conferences, but the Green Bay scored a touchdown on their first three possessions. Rodgers was 21 for 29, four touchdowns, and the whole mess of Chicago, Nick Foles and Trablitsky. Nick Foles is out, Trablitsky's in, two interceptions, uh, three sacks, a fumble, uh, just a complete and utter mess. I give I give Rogers credit. Uh, MVS Marvis Vanta Scandling, the person who fumbled the ball last week, he really defended him on the radio shows and saying, "Look, I, he's you know, he makes great plays. He makes big plays." I think Rogers has been more open and I think been more of a leader this year. Maybe the Jordan Love draft when they drafted yeah. the quarterback, but he's been a different type of quarterback in terms of taking responsibility. Now, the problem we have with Rodgers is we've said to stay... Look, if Rodgers is up 21 nothing in a game, he's finished in this game out. Like, he's someone, if the track is going great, he's going to do great, but he has trouble when the games are... When he's down 21 nothing. that's when he has trouble. So, people are ready to, you know, claim that Sean Payton is... And he's a good coach. I'm not taking that away from him, but I don't think a win with Taysom Hill over a Denver team that has no quarterback is as, is as big as people are making it out to but they now they win games without Drew Brees. You can't take that away from them. Yeah, that was a game. It was like a buy. I mean, Denver, <laughs> I, I just what happened is Drew Locke, Blake Borgles, Brett Ripien, and Jeff Driscoll, all the quarterbacks on Tuesday, they're off day to go into a room and they have like this came in and they didn't have mask on. And then they said they did, but then there was a video cameras that showed they didn't have the mask on. So the NFL said, You're all can't play. Now, some teams like the Bills, Jake Fromm, 
is not with the team. Like, I'm now thinking after this, they're going to take some quarterback. Because then the NFL said, everybody can't play. You're not allowed to have it. So they started a wide receiver from who played at uh, Kendall Hilton, who played at Wake Forest at quarterback. And uh, it was, they had six first downs, one for nine passing, two interceptions. But they could have waited to Monday to play the game. The NFL could have said, wait till Monday. If they waited till Monday, the quarterback's lock and everyone would have been available. They didn't have COVID. They was just contact tracing. Driscoll was the only one with COVID under the rules. If they waited till Monday, they could have played this. I just think it was, they threw this game out. It was a joke. There was no way New Orleans was going to win this game. And I, I just, I, I know what they're trying to send a message about masking and doing those things, but there could have been other things they could have done except to just throw away a game for Denver. Now, Denver's not in the playoff picture, so it didn't matter. But New Orleans is, and they should be able it's to a get free, a free, easy win. It's a free, easy game for New Orleans when they don't have Drew Brees. They, they, they now have another win under their belt. They're going to get home field. And uh, I just, I felt like the other option they had was Denver even said, could I see the problem with now is they couldn't even bring a quarterback in. Like say, I'll bring Carl Kaepernick. You can't mm-hmm. bring another quarterback in yeah. because you have to have the, the, the COVID tracing. So they have to be in under quarantine a certain with the team. So they wouldn't have, they couldn't bring anyone in now, unless the league wants to set like six quarterbacks and pay them to be ready to go. Like maybe that's what another option is. If this is like the emergency goalie, you know, there's a, sometimes the leagues have the emergency goalie and he would play for either team. Like it's emerging goalie for, so maybe have quarterback a pool that are being tested all the time that are available. <laughs> I, I don't know what the other solution is, but you can't just have these teams play with no quarterbacks in a passing league. I mean, it, it works with other things. You can move a linebacker, defensive lineman. You can move someone to play safety or running back or whatever, but you can't have a quarterbacks and you can't just excuse, take all their quarterbacks gone. And you give New Orleans the number one seed in the NFC by handing them a right. win. Um, tonight, Ira, they're ready to, to run Carson Wentz out of Philly. And they're saying now Jalen Hurts has been taking a lot of snaps with the first-team offense. Wentz is still the starter. Six and a half points, though, if you decide to take them over Russell Wilson and Seattle. I'm excited for Seattle because Chris Carson's coming back. I think Chris Carson's is, is great. I think he adds so much to this team at running back, and I think he gives them extra dimension. I mean, they don't, they're not playing DJ Dallas and other running backs no one ever heard. Um, I saw them against Miami. Seattle did, and Carson is Tremendous, And I think you put it with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, Russell Wilson. I think you're looking for a big win from Seattle. I think they'll have a great game. And uh, I, maybe we'll see Jalen Hurts in this game, but it, uh, I'm not holding out hope. I mean, I, 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 think, I, I think Seattle covers, and I, I, think they should, I think they should win as handily as Green Bay won last night. I, I would think so as well. Um, let's go to – how's this shaping up as we uh, get ready to put Week 12 in the books? Really, you know, it's so funny. In the, in the NFC – Almost every team, only the Lions, the Falcons, and the Panthers are out. Everyone else is in. It's almost in. And then the AFC, it's like one of those situations where the Steelers have the number one seed, but Kansas City is right there one game behind, and Tennessee and Bills are going to win the division. And then you have the Browns, Dolphins, Colts, Raiders, uh, Ravens at, at six and seven wins. I mean, Browns are eight wins, but the Pats now are like two games out. They have five wins, Colts at seven with a chance. Uh, next week, some big game. I mean, I'm excited for next week's games. Cleveland at Tennessee. Big game. Cleveland, uh, this is a game uh, between two, two of the best teams to run in that game. And then you have uh, uh, Washington's at Pittsburgh, whatever. They're going to play that game. Indianapolis at Houston. Uh, Giants have a game against Seattle. I mean, this is like every game's important in the NFCs. They're going to be playing Seattle. Philadelphia is going to be at Green Bay. Uh, Sunday night's next game, though, Denver at Kansas City. So that should be like a, a crazy type game. And then we don't know what's going to be on Monday night. Will they move the, the Steeler game to Monday? Will Dallas and Baltimore, Buffalo, San Francisco? It's going to be just... Just look at, just be you know aware of where the games are because who knows what's going to be playing. It's seven forty eight. I run sports man. Time gets away from us. Let's go to NCAA. Um, how's it looking as we shape up, getting closer to the playoff here? Well, there's really I have seven teams getting in the playoffs. Alabama is eight and zero. They have to play LSU next. They're thirty point favorites. They play Arkansas. They'll play Florida. I can't see even if Bama loses to Florida, they're not in the playoff of the four teams. Notre Dame won this big week against North Carolina. They play Syracuse and Wake. They'll be heavy favorites. If they win or lose against Clemson, I think they're in the playoffs. Clemson, they can't – Clemson destroyed Pitt this week. They play Virginia Tech, which they're 20-point favorites on. Then they play Notre Dame. If they can't afford to lose to Notre Dame again, but if they win, they're going to be in the playoffs. And then oh, they, then it gets interesting. Those are the three that – and then Ohio State. They're 4-0. Their game last week was canceled against Illinois. They're at Michigan State, Michigan, and then maybe Northwestern in the championship game. But if one of those games – if they can't play those other games, and they only have like five or six games – there's going to be issues. Should they get in or they not get in? Now, Florida plays Tennessee. They'll blow them out. They're going to blow LSU out. How about LSU has to play Bama and uh, Florida the next two games? They beat Alabama. They're in it. But, uh, but if they don't beat Alabama, they're, they're going to be out. But A&M sits there with one loss, and they really just play Auburn and Tennessee left. They have a chance to get in. And it's 
if, if Cincinnati, it's so funny, Cincinnati and Ohio State have such a rivalry. If they're both in Ohio and everything. If Cincinnati, they could be the first non-Power 5 conference to make it because they could go undefeated. They could go 10-0. and 0, And if Ohio State doesn't have enough wins, maybe they put Cincinnati in over Ohio State. That would be an interesting one. So I really don't think now that with the – I don't see the Pac-12 teams coming, getting in now with Oregon losing. But that's, that's what I see in terms of, 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 the, of shaping, shaping up. Let's go to the ACC. We saw UNC take on uh, Notre Dame. Oh, what a game. This was on Friday. I was so pumped for this. It was, Notre Dame was a five-point favorite. They're 9-0. Not, they're but I thought UNC had this great chance. I mean, they have Javante Williams and Michael Carter who are the two of the top 10 running backs in, the, in NCAA. Sam House, the third best quarterback in, in a QB ratings. They averaged 43 points, 563 yards. And Notre Dame has this great defense. So you're like, this is like a game I was waiting for. It was like 14-14 in the first quarter, 17-17 in the second quarter, after the first, second quarter of the uh, second half, first half. And then just nothing. I mean, Notre Dame just stopped, almost like Tampa with Kansas City. But Notre Dame just played great the rest of the way and ran away with that game. Ian Book, I, I thought Ian Book was just average. He played great. What I like about what Ian Book does, the quarterback for Notre Dame, he had 270 yards, one touchdown, ran for 50 yards. But a lot of plays where he's running for his life, he knows how to get the ball away, knows how not to make mistakes. They, 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 play, they play smart. And uh, they, I was very – it was a big win for, for uh, Notre Dame to go into North Carolina and win this game. And then what happened with uh, Pitt and Clemson? <laughs> what didn't happen? <laughs> Trevor Lawrence hasn't played in five weeks. He's going to be the quarterback of the Jets next year. But uh, the, it was his last game at Clemson. He was 26 for 37, 403 yards, two touchdowns. He threw the ball like for 100 yards uh, in, one, in one play. Was, uh, his arm strength is through the roof. He's the best quarterback I've ever seen. Um, and uh, the game was over in the first quarter. They, they've never scored 31 points in a quarter. Clemson, they did this game. And uh, it was just a total blowout. And actually, Pitt. Was the Pitt had the ACC's third, third best defense, and they averaged 311 yards, giving up that. And Clemson had that by like the middle of the second quarter. But total blow by 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 Clemson, and people said, "Oh, they're going to be rusty. They haven't played in a bunch of weeks." But they came out and played great. Going to the Big Ten, Penn State gets himself a win. <laughs> well, they're one in five against the two and four <laughs> Michigan, and it was like one of those games where. Everyone's saying is James Franklin's job on the line for Penn State is Jim Harbaugh's job on the line for Michigan. Um, Cade McNamara came in for Joe Milton, a quarterback from Michigan. Uh, Sean Clifford replaced Will Levis. They're back and forth in terms of what quarterbacks. I mean, no teams are having trouble when they can't, like the Bears, they can't decide what quarterbacks they want to have. Penn State had control of this game. They played better. Michigan, I mean, there was a point where the Michigan game, like they thought they were going to come back, but they muffed the punt. It's like two bad teams playing. Um, You wonder... You wonder if the big house could be filled, how many people would be in the game. Like, there's 100,000 empty seats, 110,000 empty seats. Would it have been, like, 50,000 empty seats or 60,000 empty seats? Um, just a bad loss for Michigan. It's a bad win for Penn State. Um, I think both these teams just can't wait for the season to end. Let's, uh, anything else in the Big Ten you want to touch on? Uh, Maryland, uh, Indiana beat Maryland, but Michael Penix Jr., their star quarterback, who has been just amazing, he uh, tore his ACL, so he's out for the rest of the year. Um, this is Indiana. Indiana has had a tremendous year behind their coach, Tom Allen. Um, they have now ended their losing streaks against Penn State and Michigan. They reached the top 10 for the first time since 1969, and now a back to back winning season the Big Ten. Uh, it was a, they won the game, but it, it's a sad to lose Penix Jr., but again, this is a pro. Program on the extension if they can keep uh, their, their, their coach. Um, and then Northwestern, who was undefeated going into this game. They're 5-0. and They lose to Michigan State. Uh, just a bad loss. I mean, Northwestern, they only have to win one of the three final games in order to get to the Big Ten championship game, and they ended up losing that. And then, of course, Ohio State and Illinois was canceled. So that was – these are not postponed because the Big Ten waited to start, then yeah. their games are over. Going to the SEC, Alabama keeps doing what Alabama does. Oh, they're – so Nick Saban for COVID was not allowed to be there. Um, Steve Sarkeesian, the former coach at USC – uh, coached him. And remember, this is a game last year that Alabama lost 48-45 at the Iron Bowl uh, and that knocked them out of the college football playoffs. This year, nothing like it. I mean, the line was 25 going in the game. Uh, Alabama won 42-13. to 13. Uh, Mac Jones was, I just, I mean, now they're saying he's the, I mean, he's the Heisman with Trevor Lawrence, uh, potentially, or Kyle Trask. He was 18 for 26, 300 yards, five touchdowns. Devontae Smith, 
I, he's one of the funnest wide receivers I've ever seen. Seven catches, 171 yards. He, in the last three games, 27 catches, 500 yards, eight touchdowns. Amazing. And Bo Nix, how about the quarterback for Auburn? He called Mac Jones. He goes, he's a nice game manager. Nice Bo Nix, you're a game manager. You threw two interceptions. You lost 42 to 13. The other guy is going to be drafted to the NFL in the first yeah. round. You're not. You're going to be like the Mike Glennon of the NFL if you're lucky. You're, what, what is he doing calling Mac, jo- Mac Jones a game manager? Stupidest thing. Um, Florida looked a little shaky early on versus Kentucky, but what, win. what a weird game. They were down against a bad, you know, Kentucky is really wasn't that good. They're down 14, 10 and, uh, uh, and, 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 oh, they were down 10, seven. And at the end of the first half, they returned a punt for a touchdown. Uh, and, uh, but it was like, then they just blew them out. Kyle Pitts, five catches, 99 yards, three touchdowns, just a tremendous performance by Pitts. He was out for the last couple of games, came out and just did great. We have to talk about uh, Vanderbilt doing something that's never happened in a power five conference. <laughs> well, it's a weird game. So I like Connor Bazalek for Missouri was 30 for 37 for 318 yards. Larry Roundtree ran for 160 yards uh, for Missouri. They, Missouri beat Vanderbilt 41 nothing, but everyone's talking about Sarah Fuller because she's a goalie in the soccer team. She's not just a goalie on a soccer team. She was the goalie on the SEC championship Vanderbilt women's soccer team, and no woman had ever appeared in a Big Five game ever doing anything. Now that it's been happened, uh, Katie Nida did it, uh, has kicked in for New Mexico in a game. April Gross did kick for Kent State, but no woman has ever played as a kicker. They've all been as kickers in a game, in a, in a Power Five game. But um, Sarah at the end, I watched the whole game because I'm waiting for her to come in to kick. Mm-hmm. And the, Ms. Vanderbilt was pathetic. They couldn't even get in time to kick a field goal. The reason they needed her was because all, like Denver, all their place kickers were in the COVID protocol rule, mm-hmm. so they couldn't be there. And she came in the game in the second half and just kicked. Um, she just kicked, did a kickoff. It was a pooch kick, like a soccer kick. And that was it. Um, it was a big thing for the game. They talked about it a lot. Then you find out that she gave a pep talk to the team at halftime, which I think is really weird because I'm not saying because she's a woman, she can't give a pep talk, but she's just a new player on the team that just brought in. Unless you're like LeBron James stepping into a team that was just traded, I don't think you should be giving pep talks to a team. And I wonder why. And there, there could be something like Derek. Then they fire the coach the next yeah. two days after the game. Derek Mason, who's been there for seven years now. James Franklin at Penn State had been the coach. Vanderbilt was doing well. That's why James Franklin got the Penn State job. Uh, um, Derek Mason was last two three years was three for nine, three and nine, and zero oh and eight, um, twenty seven to fifty five. But I think there's just so much going on about Vanderbilt, and we like the story about Sarah Fuller. I think it's great. She seems to be an amazing woman. But I do have to say that the Vanderbilt program just that that was weird that they fired the coach just two days later after after she played in this game. Let's uh, go to the Big 12. We've just got a couple of minutes left here. Well, I think jumping to the Big 12 first is Texas A&M beat LSU 20-7. to And LSU, Texas A&M has a chance to be in the college football playoff. And Kelly Mond, I saw, was ranked, could be going the, you know, the top picks for the draft. He was 11 for 34 for 105 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. I, I think that Texas A&M is a mess, and LSU is beyond it. I think what LSU was last year is one of the greatest cultural teams I've ever seen. Uh, they're now going to lose. They're three and four. They're going to lose to Bama next week and Florida the next. They'll be three and six. Uh, just I, I've never seen a team go from being the best team I've ever seen to the one of the worst <laughs> teams I've ever seen. Uh, but in the Big 12, Texas played Iowa, Iowa State. And again, another program – Tom Herman's the coach of Texas. Every year, expectations, expectations, expectations. And uh, Matt Campbell for Iowa State has built this. I mean, he started, Iowa State was terrible the last two years. Now they've been 8-5, 8-5, 7-6. and They beat Texas on the last play of the game. Uh, It was super exciting. Sam Ellinger, senior quarterback of Texas, makes stupid mistakes after stupid mistakes. But now Iowa State has a chance. Uh, They never won the championship of the Big 12. Their last conference title was in 1912. 1912 was like 100 years ago go 108 and they might have a chance to do it this year for in the big 12 um what about the pac 12 i did want to touch on the oregon oregon state game it was used to be the civil war they played 124 games they stopped using that term um oregon was all in green with the crazy helmets they played in a fog it was nuts but the end of the game was one of the most exciting end of the games germ um they Oregon State got the ball down on the first and goal. On second goal, Tristan Gebbia, their quarterback, he ran in for a touchdown, and he was there through the line. The Oregon player picked him up and threw him back, and then they say, no touchdown. <laughs> but he was like his whole body. And then and the review, review, re, re, replay review said, I can't see where the ball is. His entire body is across the line. Of course the ball's across the line. They wouldn't give it to him. The next play they run, the whole Oregon team jumps off sides. They stop him on the one-inch line. The player, Gebbia, gets hurt. So he has to run out to the side. He's now injured. 
Now it's, there's no time left. It's like fourth down. They bring up their backup quarterback, Chance Nolan, and he runs in the at the last second, runs in the game and wins the game for Oregon State to beat Oregon. But what an ending for a game. Uh, just, uh, just amazing. And then coming up this week, Clemson at Virginia Tech. Clemson's favored by 20. Ohio State, Michigan State. Uh, Florida's at Tennessee. Florida's won four, 15 out of 16 years against, uh, uh, against Tennessee. And uh, Miami finally hasn't played in like three weeks, is playing Duke. Let's go to college basketball, Eric, because it's going to be uh, starting back up. We've actually got UNC playing right now. <laughs> well, you know, I always get depressed about basketball because I've been with college because I think it's all everyone going down, shooting threes. It, I, I love basketball more than anything. I think it's great. But I turned Gonzaga on, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. They're doing things I don't understand. Like, they have David Timmy, who's a sophomore, who's 6'10". So when you throw to a big guy, he actually has moves around the basket, and he can score. And he doesn't just stand out and shoot three points the whole time. They have a guy named Corey Kispert, who just makes threes. And they don't, like, so when they throw the ball around, the people who can shoot the threes shoot the threes. People who can't shoot the threes don't shoot the threes. And they shoot open threes, which is just shocking. And they have Joel Ayi from France. So they have these players that are all going to play in the NBA. Then they bring in this superstar freshman that have experience Jalen Suggs from Minnesota. He had he's the number six recruit in the country, going to Gonzaga, and he had 24 points. I think this Gonzaga team is fun to watch. If you want to see basketball, they have some great games. Wednesday they play at number eleven. They play number eleven WVU. Saturday they play number two Baylor, and December nineteenth they play number three Iowa. And Iowa has Luca Garza. He's a senior, six eleven, two sixty five. He is playing th- uh, great, and, uh, shooting 80% from the field, 75% from threes, 90% from the um, free throw line, boards, blocks. Gonna be, you know, could be the player of the year in, in college basketball. I mean, he's a senior. We're starting to see these one-and-done players, but now you're seeing some of these guys that have stayed in these programs that didn't come out. They're fun to watch. Tomorrow night's a big game. Michigan State at Duke uh, and Kentucky at Kansas. And, of course, watching Gonzaga play Wednesday and then on Saturday. Ira, we saw two exhibition boxing matches this weekend, and it was not what anyone was expecting. <laughs> I was blown away about um, uh, Mike Tyson. I thought they ruled it a draw because I think it was ridiculous. Chad Dawson, Christy Martin, and Vinny Pazienzi were the judges. But Roy Jones did nothing. He didn't throw punches. Mike Tyson looked as well he did 15 years ago. I was shocked. Moving, throwing. He was play, had these big gloves, so it was maybe it was like double what the poundage was. So it was hard to hit and hurt someone. But he was not even breathing heavy. He was throwing good punches. He was moving in the ring. Uh, I was blown away. I enjoyed it a lot. It was great. And then you got me excited because this YouTube guy who I never heard of, Jake Paul, <laughs> went against Nate Robinson, who used to play for the Knicks. That was and so he, bad. And, he, and Nate Robinson, I, you guys, was like, he just ran into these punches. And it was, it was a great. They, said he's been training i don't know what he's been training for but it wasn't boxing no that, that was terrible it wasn't uh what i was looking forward to um in that fight i thought professional athlete versus youtube guy who <laughs> who would have thought um the, the golf tournament i guess we're calling it the match like 58 now not as lackluster or not as um not as big as, as it has been in the past with tiger woods tom brady but still we got to see phil mickelson and i knew that they were going to crush steph curry and and peyton manning but vegas didn't think so you were right. Why did you bet this? You, you were ta- for two, been like a month. You've been talking yeah. about this, and I was like, I don't know. Or that. <laughs> but a couple things about this: Steph Curry and Peyton Manning were so quiet; they didn't even talk. Like you would think that Pey- I've never seen Peyton Manning. First of all, they were playing poorly; they didn't play mm-hmm. well at all. Mickelson finished; they won it four and three in a match. But you could see. Mickelson was phenomenal. I mean, first of all, he would tell Chuck to do. He's like, Chuck, you're going to putt this ball, and you're going to putt it as hard as you can to this point, which is not the right way, but it's going to – and Chuck would just follow his directions. Mm -hmm. Like, if Chuck – you're going to just jump up down ten times, and Chuck would do it. (laughs) And he was great. Now, it helps that Mickelson actually, I found out, owns the course. Like, not just he is a member (laughs) of the course. He owns the course that they played at. It's called Stone Mount, Stone Canyon. Um, But uh, that was like – they they end up winning, like, four holes, straight holes. And I like – Chuck had the greatest line. He goes, you should tee up some things of law and order because this is going to be over fast. And But you saw what happened is that as long as Barkley could hit the ball into the fairway, then Mickelson on his second shot is better than anyone else. So he could get it. And what Chuck did was smart was on the chip. So on the par fives, they won all their par fives because then Mickelson would hit the second shot. And then Chuck, all he had to do was chip on, but they were so close. Whereas mm. Manning and Curry were in the water running around somewhere else. And it was a mess. <laughs> it wasn't that. And it was hard because the North Carolina Notre Dame game was on. So I'm trying to watch both of them at the same same time and hear the sound but i i was impressed with mickelson and super impressed with how barkley played i think that that was interesting i was not impressed with curry and manning they didn't play well and they weren't entertaining either 
uh, what about Formula One? Just about the the crash. I was driving my mom. She's I've got her obsessed with Formula One now. But Roman Grosjean had that. Uh, if you go on YouTube and see, it's one of the most fiery crashes I've ever seen. He was able to jump out. All the safety precautions they put in these cars. His car completely disintegrated and caught on fire. And he just had a, a, a fractured rib and some burns on his hands. Amazing that he survived. Lewis Hamilton won his eleventh race out of fifteen. This was in in Bahrain uh, for that. But so he's you know clearly won the title. But it was like I just I love watching Formula One. And in baseball, you know, I thought that. For $15 million, you'd think that they would have kept Charlie Morton in Tampa Bay. I know he's a little older, but he pitched really well. He's moving on to the Braves. That's a good bolster for their rotation. I, I kept thinking about the Charlie, this move, and I've been thinking about this all week. Charlie Morton uh, wanted to come back to the Rays. The Rays offered him $10 million. He signed with the Braves for fifteen. Now, the question is, why are the Yankees, with no pitching at all, couldn't yeah. they just spend some more money to have? Charlie Morton's been 14-7, and 15-3, 16-6, with a 3 ERA, and he's the, one of the best big-game pitchers that we've seen in the last 10 years. I don't understand. For a one-year contract, you can't sign him. But it makes me believe. Now, the the Braves lineup of pitchers, Freed, Morton, Soroka, Ian Anderson, Drew Smiley, Kyle Wright, Bryce Wilson, they could actually challenge the Dodgers. But if you look at the National League, between the Phils, the Mets, the Nats, Marlins, I mean, I'm going to go through the whole list. They're, besides the Pirates, every team is good. But look at the American League. It's, it's a joke of a league. Like, the Yankees have no competition. The Red Sox have given up. They have they spend money, but they're all dead money. They uh, they give up their players. They can't even they can't keep uh, Mookie Betts. Uh, Astros, they're giving up. They lose their best player to the Yankees. The only one who spends money is the Angels, and they're wasting their money on Pujols. <laughs> and then the teams that are competitive are like the Indians, the A's, and Tampa. All teams don't, they can't even pay a player $15 million. Like, how in the world, how do the Yankees not win? Like, I just, I look at this, I'm like, you have more money than everyone. You have Brian Cashman, I, I Again, I think he's the most overrated general manager of all time. And Aaron Boone, I don't know what he's doing managing this team. And if the Yankees cannot make it to the World Series, I, I don't even know what I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> Let's wrap it up at the NBA. <laughs> um, the Heat signed Bam Adebayo for the Max Five that we were talking about last week's show mm-hmm. whether they were going to do it. So he and Tatum and Darren uh, for Celtics, Darren Fox for Sacramento, uh, and uh, we're all we're all signed. And Dennis Mitchell for Donovan Mitchell for Utah signed the max. Now, there's still a way the Heat are saying, well, we can potentially get Giannis. There could be some moves. I don't, you know, I'm like, I can I just enjoy this team? Can I enjoy Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson and Jimmy Butler? Like, I think this team's going to grow, and we're going to see what's going to happen with this team. But it was interesting that they, there's a question whether they were going to wait to sign Bam. We were talking about it on the show, but then two days later, they signed him. Yeah, they did, and he's going to be a very rich, new, uh, very rich new person down in Miami. We are out of time. The one BF of Iron Mike. Let's talk next Monday night. Iron Sports.